Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, uh, did you stay up last night? This time I did. So you saw um, the brawl? No, I <laughs> You fell asleep I, before no, the end? I said I stayed up. I didn't say I watched Thursday Night Football. Oh, I on. wish I had, but I've seen everything since. All right. We, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. We are? We oh we will talk okay. about that. That was crazy. Are we going to talk about that? We need to change our uh, theme music to Baby Shark just for you. Oh, don't even go there. No, it's way too early in the show All for right, you to fine. start. All right. I did want to start. It's, uh, early. it's four o'clock. I I wanted to to bring on our our first guest. I want to start talking about some Olympics. We've got <laughs> uh, 2012 Paralympic medalist and 2020 Olympic hopeful Matt Stutzman on the line. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing amazing. How are you guys? I'm fantastic. Uh, how is uh, the wait a second? You just told me you were no good. You're telling Matt that you're fantastic. Well, I'm I like I'm better now that I'm talking to him. See, I had, Matt before I was just stuck in studio with you. Matt so. is such an inspirational story that he changed your mood instantaneously. Thank you, Matt. You got to be on the show every week. So it'll Matt, be a much better show. You. Matt, I literally have You're no welcome. excuse uh, for not getting anything done anymore. <laughs> um, I'm I'm very impressed uh, at your ability. So let's let's talk. Let's work backwards. Let's talk a little bit about chasing your dream now for 2020 in the Olympics. How's that going? And and how excited are you for this opportunity? Well, uh, I'm actually really excited about it. Um, in the 2016 games, I didn't do as planned. Ended up. Uh, I think like sixth place, so that one stung a little bit. So sixth place in the world, basically. Well, I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds pretty cool. But right. uh, the competitor, <laughs> the competitor <laughs> in me is like, oh, sixth place, you know. <laughs> uh, so I, I had to refocus a lot of what I was doing, um, and so uh, the training's going a lot better. I'm going to be in like better shape and just even mentally more prepared for it. So we'll cross my fingers. We'll see what happens. So you were not always an, an archer. This this was sort of a a family necessity thing for you that, that you started. Can you talk a little bit about how this all came about? And then we'll, we'll get into your life story a little bit more. Yeah. So probably about nine years ago or so, um, back when the economy was amazing and doing awful, uh, I couldn't find a job. And I literally had two boys that needed food. And so I remember seeing a guy on TV and he he got a bow and went in the woods and he was hunting for food. And I was like, I could totally do that. Uh, so I, I went up and I got a bow with all intentions of trying to literally go in the woods and put food on the table. Um, little did I know it was going to turn out to be what it is now. So where was this? Because it obviously wasn't like in downtown Philadelphia that you were going. He's out in with Iowa. He's an Iowa man. <laughs> yeah, Iowa, uh, which happens to be well. Right now it's fifty degrees out and amazing, but usually yeah. it's kind of cold. I don't understand that because I spent three years in Iowa. Uh, it was never fifty degrees in November when I was there. So <laughs> I don't. I don't know what's going on with that. Whether it's colder here. The gray skies went away when you left. Yeah. Ab- absolutely, they were. They were excited <laughs> to have me gone. So you you started shooting to to try and provide for the family. Realized that you were good at this and started entering some competitions. When did you? realized that this was a talent that you could really try and expand on and pursue? Uh, I would have been in 2012. I went to uh, what's called a Vegas shoot. It's basically one of the largest tournaments outside of the Olympics. 
uh, it's actually the largest paying tournament in the world. Like I think this year, if you win this year in Vegas, it's like over a hundred thousand dollars, um, which is amazing. Um, but I was, I went to one of those tournaments and I had literally only been shooting for like a year, year and a half. And, and by, I realized, by the way, you had, uh, you had given my, my favorite line when you started shooting, uh, you said I purchased my bow, did a Google search on how to teach an armless guy how to shoot a bow, and nothing came up. <laughs> that, that was that was amazing. That 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 was how you you sort of. So now, if somebody Google's that, they'll find you and learn how to to be an archer and be be good with that. So so you go ahead and you're you're now trying to make a living with this. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, Google's an amazing thing because you can literally Google how to fix anything now, and it will tell you. But Nine years ago, when you Googled teach an armless man how to shoot a bow, you definitely didn't get an armless man shooting a bow. Um, you know, so I basically had to kind of self-teach myself how to do this based on watching somebody with hands shoot. Um, but, yeah, so in 2012, I'm at this tournament, and I realized after the tournament was over that I had beat guys who had been to the games before. And I was like, holy smokes, like, I might be onto something here. So, uh, you know, Jason glossed past something, which was the part of what you Googled was how, how to teach an armless man how to shoot a bow. It's just a footnote. Right. So, so, so you know, yeah. I, saw, I saw you first saw your story on CBS Sunday morning uh, and was touched by it, which mm-hmm. is why I reached out to you. And, and so when you're on TV, obviously the visual is there. For, for people that are not, uh, we don't have... Uh, we're not doing Facebook or anything right now, and you're you're far away from us right now. For people that that don't know your story, uh, you do not. You were born with no arms, and and so my question is 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 how did you overcome that? What what was it about your upbringing that that got you to the point of saying I could be in the Olympics as an athlete? I think a lot of it has to discredit of my parents because. Um, so first of all, I have seven brothers and sisters. So with me, that's eight children and being a part of a big family, family like that, I was the only one with a physical disability. So you would think that my parents would have catered to me or they would have treated me differently because I had no arms. Um, but they didn't, they actually treated me just like the rest of my siblings. I had to do chores, feed cows, get eggs, (laughs) like all the stuff you do when you're on a farm. And if I didn't help out, then you just didn't get to eat. So at a very young age, they were already teaching me how to be kind of self-reliant and learn how to think outside the box to um, basically take care of myself, Um, which says a lot because I'm a parent now and I'm always wanting to help my kids. So if you can imagine having a child without arms and you're wanting them to excel in life knowing that eventually someday they're going to be on their own. Sometimes you got to let them kind of learn and fail and learn and fail until they finally get it on their own, which, which is incredible of them to let me do that. Yeah. I have an older kid. Jason has a younger kid. And so you, you, when you, when you have kids, you don't want them to fail and it's the hardest thing to step back and do that. But you also want to teach them lessons and, I, I went to mm-hmm. school in Michigan. Jason knows that because I talk about it every week. But all uh, the time, yes. Um, 
but I went to school. With Wait, the... does that mean you're a Michigan fan or yeah. Michigan State? Fan? No, no, Michigan. He's fan. a Michigan fan. Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. And you're just south. You're just south of Iowa City, so <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. difficult for you. I know. I, I didn't mention that when I asked you to be on the show, obviously. Um, but but I went to a school with with a, a baseball player named Jim Abbott, and and Jim oh, was okay. was born with without a hand and became a pitcher who threw a no hitter in the major leagues and. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember Jim saying um, he that he's learned that it's not the disability that defines you. It's how you deal with the challenges the disability presents you with. I've learned that we Absolutely. have an obligation to the abilities we do have, not to the disability. Mm-hmm. Can you relate to that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Jim and I actually, I've never met Jim, but him and I actually have something in common, just to throw this out there. Him and I, from what we can tell based on the research, are the only two people or the first two people in the United States to actually make an able body Team USA uh, team. I remember when he uh, was I believe on he, Team USA. I believe he pitched at an Olympic. Yeah. Uh, what was it? It was like a, he made the able body Olympic team for uh, something. I don't remember exactly. But he, for baseball. Yeah. No, but I mean it was like, a, yeah, that's what it was. And so, um, yeah, but I can absolutely relate because uh, most of my life, you know, people told me I wasn't going to be able to do anything. And there's no way you're going to be able to shoot a bow. But you just had to look past all that stuff and and basically just carry on with your life and what you were doing and make the best of the situation that you got because the reality is that it's not going to change. And, and you so had a, all you can do is make it better. You had a friend who was who was pretty honest with you. You were you know getting endorsements and having some success, but uh, a, a friend said to you, uh, "The reason why they sponsor you is because you have no arms and you draw attention to their product, not because you're good." And that sort of made you decide to become even better. Can you talk about that and how that motivated you, um, and what it was like when you when you first went into some of these tournaments that you're you're beating these able-bodied guys. How how did they handle that? So I remember specifically the the day that my friend told me that. Um, Is he still so your friend? Obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, we're still friends, but <laughs> we don't talk as you much talk as less. we used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, thank you, sir, for my success, but for pushing me. But you know, those kind of those words kind of sucked. But they, they, I mean, but they were true, right? And so. He had to look at it as he was just being honest, and if he wasn't honest, then I probably – I mean, I still would be doing what I'm doing, but it probably wouldn't have sunk in like it did because I wanted to be known as the the best archer in the world first, followed by, oh, by the way, did you know he does it with no arms? I didn't want to be – look at the guy without arms that shoots a bow, you know. Um, and he kind of, by saying that, kind of made me realize that I just wanted to be the best first and so um he pushed me with that your, your, um your twitter handle is good. armless archer you cool with that nickname is that <laughs> yeah. something is that something you came up yeah. with or would, yeah yeah because jeff and i weren't uh, sure whether so, we should use it and i said okay i'll just ask him <laughs> yeah no you can definitely use armless archer in fact when i was first starting uh making the videos and stuff like that and trying to self-promote myself i'm like what should i call myself and I came up with some pretty crazy names, but at the end of the day, arm, I came up with Armless Archer just turned out to be the best because I had no arms. And at that time, I was the only one in the world with no arms shooting a bow. You say uh, it, so you it, say it that, you say at that time, have, have other people now 
been inspired to try this sport as a result of what you've been able to accomplish? Yeah, so I went to um, the Czech Republic this year for one of our national shoots. Um, and there was like another guy and a lady who showed up with no arms that entered the tournament. So this is that would have been the very first tournament ever that someone other than me without arms was there. So there was actually three armless people shooting. And so, um, which is amazing because that just is telling you that everybody else in the world is starting to see um, that you can do those cool things and not live in a little bubble and live life and have an amazing time with it. So they're starting to experiment, experiment with it too. I, I don't remember whether it was HBO Real Sports or one of the segments. There was a veteran who had lost a limb and, and he was shooting now. Did I know you, you just wanted to be the best archer, but do you ever stop and think about what it's like to actually inspire other people to be able to uh, achieve some of the success you have? Um, so when I first started, it was definitely for the purpose of figuring out how to put food on the table. Um, of course, I wanted to win. I didn't realize it was going to, like I said, turn into what it is now. But now I see it completely differently. Um, when you look at other professional sports guys uh, like Michael Phelps, um, yeah, they're they're amazing and they win a lot, but they don't win all the time. But what they've done for their sport is they have physically changed the sport for the better. That's why we consider Michael Phelps arguably one of the best swimmers in the world. Um, same way with Michael Jordan. When I was younger, I wanted to be Michael Jordan, even though I knew I wasn't going to be a basketball player. But I wanted to be him, right? And he literally changed the sport. So seeing that other people are getting into the sport because they've seen me shoot, whether they have a disability or not, uh, makes me feel really good. It means I'm, I'm changing the world. I'm making the sport better. Uh, I'm making people's lives better. Um, and in fact, that's more rewarding than winning. The, the bow that you used, is that something that you developed yourself? I mean, there was nobody, there was nobody for you to model yourself after. So how did you come up with the idea that you could shoot a bow? So, yeah. So one thing that my parents were really good at is teaching me how to adapt to things versus adapting the things to me. So like right now, if you were to go into my house, Besides a picture on the wall, there's nothing that would lead you to believe that a guy without arms that lives there. Like, I have no modifications in my house. My cars are normal whatsoever. Uh, same way with the bow. So I was able to just go buy a bow off the shelf that was just a standard bow that a company made, and I just taught myself how to shoot it. And you mentioned the car. I saw the video of you driving your truck with your, <laughs> your right foot on the wheel and your your left foot on yeah. the, the gas and the brake. Look, I, I drove mm -hmm. here today on the Schuylkill Expressway. There's plenty of people with two hands that can't drive well. Uh, Jason's how, one of them. How did, no, I can't park. I can drive <laughs> just fine. I can't park. But how did you how'd you teach yourself to, to do that, and what's the reaction you get from people um, when you do it? Because I, I saw you talk about how the fact that people would stare at you at times actually prepared you for shooting because you're able to block out the noise and distractions. Can you talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, to touch base on the driving thing, I, uh, I grew up on a farm, so I was driving trucks and tractors ever since I was like seven. Um, and I just had to once again learn how to drive with my feet. So that was kind of like a second nature thing. Uh, as far as the re 
<laughs> the, the reaction, <laughs> the reactions when you get pulled over with driving at your feet. Well, first of all, that's that's amazing because they haven't had a ticket now uh, in a long time because when they pull you over, they're still kind of like startled. <laughs> that's some guys driving with his with his legs. Uh, I was also like a hands-free law, so. Uh, if I put my phone on my shoulder, I, I'm waiting for them to pull me over just so I can argue the whole hands-free thing. <laughs> now you're just looking to start trouble. <laughs> uh, but even now, I mean, people look at me a lot when I was younger, uh, whether I'm driving or at a restaurant eating or just playing basketball with my kids, you know, people stare. Uh, and not that they're trying to be rude, it's just, they're genuinely interested in how I do things. Um, and so at a very young age, I was able to very fast block that stuff out. Um, I didn't realize that it was teaching me a valuable lesson until later. So now let's say I'm at a tournament and I make it to the finals where, you know, there's thousands of people watching. And it's just me and my one competitor. I'm able to block that out like second nature because I've been doing it since I can't, you know, can remember like seven, six years old, I was blocking people out where they've, you know, don't have a disability. They've never been in that situation before because no one stares at them on a regular basis. And so it actually becomes an advantage a little bit because I'm able to block people out uh, when I get to when it matters the most. So what ma- what's going to matter most is that in 2020, you're hoping to be in Japan. Representing your that con- is rep- absolutely correct. Representing your country, and and trying yeah. to get a medal instead of coming in sixth place. Which, by the way, I'm pretty impressed. At. <laughs> I'll, I'll take sixth place in almost anything <laughs> I do. But uh, um, what do you do? Is there anything special that you do for training? Is there something that you have to do for raising money to get to the Olympics? What is the preparation? 2020 is around the corner. Yeah, so um, the games are, you know, uh, it costs money to, to travel to tournaments, um, you know, equipment, that kind of stuff. So I, I do have sponsors who help um, with equipment and traveling and stuff like that. So that makes it a little easier on me. Um, but right now I'm basically just focused on um, one day at a time. So when I was in Rio, I think I weighed like 220 pounds or so. Uh, now I'm down to like 165 or something like that. And I'm I, like, I work out a lot. So I'm trying to keep um, my physical shape, uh, I guess, better than I was when I was in Rio because I, I had a lot of hip issues um, with having been overweight, I guess. Um, and so now that I'm down to a good weight, I'm, I'm shooting better. My confidence is better. And as you guys know, if your confidence is good at something, you perform better. So it's basically my goal to just kind of keep this going all the way into the into the trials that start in April. Well, like I said, I got no excuse not to get anything done now. Uh, I We can't thank you enough for the time. We wish you the best of luck at the trials and can't wait to follow you uh, on your next journey and uh, appreciate the time. I appreciate it a lot, guys. Thank you so much for having me. You guys have, you have a great one. Man, Jeff, that was... Uh, you know, we talk about inspiring and, and, you know, he doesn't want to necessarily be inspiring, mm-hmm. but he lets nothing stand he, in he his way. He can't help being inspiring. What, and to me, that's, that's even more inspiring. The, the fact that it doesn't, that, that he's not going out of his way. He's not looking for attention. He's looking to compete. 
that you can tell that he's a competitor is is to me part of the inspiring story. I mean, look, the story about how he was raised. I mean, he he's very obviously humble about it, but you got to give credit to the family that helped raise him and and and, and teach him the less you, lessons we all hope that we can teach our kids. And and he's obviously learned those. He's passing those on to his own children, but he's passing it on to society. Yeah. Right. I mean, how, how do you how do you you know, you talk about leading by example. Is there a better way to lead by example than than what this man is is doing every day? And he's very open and honest about it all. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll make jokes. He's and that, jokes he ha- and yeah, he has a great sense of humor. It's all part of being humble. He has a great humility I told about you, himself. I'd ask, him though, I'd ask him about the nickname. You did it. I, I wanted to make Good sure. Good for you. Yeah. See, yeah. I didn't shy away from uh-huh. it. Um, so now you want to go back to talking about Thursday night football for a couple minutes? Yeah, I want to talk about what this dude who had an arm did last night because. Yeah. This was crazy in the Cleveland game. Um, I know you didn't stay till the end, but literally the game was over. I didn't watch it at all, just so we're clear. The game was literally over, and Rudolph's helmet gets ripped off, and then all of a sudden, Miles Garrett is just swinging. Well, you know, look, I'm not defending Miles Garrett here because you know how I feel about the Browns just in general, okay? (laughs) They they are just a hot mess, and and they're all head cases over there, but... But Mason Rudolph does appear to look like it looks like he's trying to take off. Well, Garrett's I think, I think first. that's been the argument from other people is that Rudolph should get punishment. I think Rudolph will end up getting fined. He did. No, he hasn't been fined yet. The, he? He's the, the it's an undisclosed amount. I think okay. is what I think is where they're going with it. There but were a couple of suspensions. Pouncy got three games. Look, honestly, got the NFL is the NFL is lucky because that could have been an absolute. Okay, can. Just just imagine the scene if he gets hit full on with that helmet and goes down and starts convulsing. I, I'm saying they that, were very close to having a very – I mean, they had a serious situation on the field. You have players coming and kicking, throwing punches oh, after pa- that. Pouncey f- fulfilled his name because he Lane, John- Lane Johnson said that if anything happened to his quarterback like that, he'd do the same thing. He'd do exactly what yeah. Pouncey did. And look, in inside the team, mm-hmm. Pouncey will be – you know, lauded Revered. for doing that, for mm-hmm. having his guys back. But um, where are the Steelers and the, and the Browns when it comes to playoffs, though? Uh, so Steelers that, are now poor. six and three. I think right. the Browns are now three and seven. Oh, so the Browns are out of it anyway. Even though, ba- oh, that's right. Baker Mayfield said if they win every game, they're going to. No, no actually, I, I should say that it's different because the Steelers lost. So you go ahead, check the records. You, you on keep there. talking while I while I. Well, check I'll, with our trustee. I'll go. We'll keep talking NFL. Yeah, go to the Google. <laughs> if, if, if if he can Google the, about his arms, you can he Google just said about Google. The, you're you're acting like you're 90, saying go to the Google. I always call it the Google and joke yeah, with people okay. about it. I Google sure. everything. I pop up. I Google my whole mm-hmm. pop up. Mm-hmm. You're the one making jokes now about my age. Okay, <laughs> I see what it is. Steelers are five. The and Browns five, are four and six, and the Steelers are five yeah. and five. So that they're technically still in the playoff hunt. I don't think that either one will make it, but they're both harmed as a result of this. That I mean, losing your center and Pouncey's a center, right? The Browns, I think, give up I, two more yards per play on plays when Garrett is not on the field. Yeah. Their defense. And this isn't Garrett's first incident of the no, season. No, this is either. third of the season. He threw yeah. a punch earlier. Um, there's multiple things that he did, so it's it's not his only thing. Um, we'll move to the Eagles this week, coming off a bye. But, but by the way, I just want to. Did you see Arian Foster's comments? No, what did he say? Saying that fans are hypocritical of of criticizing somebody for when it's a violent sport, so it rules. You shouldn't get upset if just there's a violation of the rules. 
Yeah, no, he's wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. Uh-huh. I'm not even going to take up that argument. That's okay. He's so how, the so how long... I, I know I'm not getting an answer. Now. How long do you think the penalty should be? Right? And the penalty right now is indefinite. He has to apply for reinstatement. He's gone for this season and any playoffs if they make it. Right. Uh, look, I mean... It, if you Sorry want to, to suspend him for, for one whole season, it no, would I'm be... I'm asking insu- you, if if you were the commissioner, or you were John Runyon, well, how, much, how long would you suspend him for? I think you have to take a serious stand and show that you can't do that and you can't use weapons. I mean, you have a well, billions the rest of, of the season, dollars. Is the rest of the season... No, I don't think so. I think into next season, actually. I, I think I would give him a one-year suspension. So I actually think till- that it was clever of the NFL, because let's face it, every time that there's a suspension, player appeals. Player appeals. Player He's going to appeal. Goes, right, but the sentence goes down. If it's indefinite, what do you what it goes down from? Is, oh, is, my yeah. lawyer friend has now, arrived. I, I to, think to that, pick the nit. I think John Runyon and the gang over at the NFL offices were very you clever. Get, you about give him credit; they're very smart. Uh huh. All right, let's get to. He uh, is a Michigan man. We'll we'll see. Right? What, oh god. Okay. <laughs> you never miss an Just opportunity. Saying. Uh, we will leave that there. Let's talk. Oh a little no 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 no! Since since we since I brought up Michigan, <laughs> I knew you were going to go here. Oh, I mean, we could talk about Michigan, Michigan State, but that's not what I want to talk. No, about. I know what you want. I want to talk a little college football in relation. Not all college football. Not you all only want to talk about Rutgers. I want to. I want to talk about no. I want to talk about fandom. You love talking about fandom. That's your favorite word. I yes. Think, right. Uh-huh. So you're a you're a fan and a grad of Rutgers. Unfortunately, sometimes. I'm sorry, but. I but, love the university, but, but as a sports program. And, and, and I will be rooting my butt off tomorrow because they're playing Ohio State. But we all know how that game's going to end. Yes. And all I hear from you when they play Michigan and Penn State and is, is how frustrated it is that you keep getting all these notifications. Yes. That have the constant touchdowns that be scored against. It's pretty tough when your team loses 70 to nothing and you get at a push alert point, for not only every score, but extra points. So at, at some point as a fan, it is okay to turn off the notifications on your little device. I have no so that good you reason. Don't torture yourself. I, I am punishing myself. I have right. no good reason for like, why I'm like, doing it. Does fandom mean that you have to suffer? Well, if you're a Rucker sports fan, yes. Well, you're also a Philadelphia <laughs> sports fan, so it is it is ingrained I have in your in your DNA. Grown up suffering. I mean, I don't really know how to handle sports success. To right, be honest. So, right. So, it, does it make sense to? When did this turn into Jason's laying on the couch and we're going to analyze him session? By the way, <laughs> what, how did this happen? There's I wanted no, to there talk no Eagles football. Yeah, and you're breaking down well, the, okay, the so, reasons why I'm so torturing that, myself. That being said, yes. Now we go into Philadelphia sports since since you're going to make. Make yourself suffer, and you are going to leave the notifications on. I am. And so, since we we do have somewhat breaking news today, in that the Eagles now have lost Darren Sproles for the rest of the season, and Alshon Jeffries out for Sunday. Right, that was just announced as well. So and Jordan Howard may not. So exactly, who is Carson Wentz throwing to now? How did the Eagles come out of the bye week less healthy than they went into the bye I week? I have with? no idea. And and all of this just happened in the last two days. So now, two weeks. so now what do you know? Who are you throwing the ball to? I told you last week you I'm adjusting my, my offense and I'm going off the run. I am going back to the dink and duck offense where the swing pass out of the backfield to a running back so is So do you my, play a two-back offense now? I do. And, and I would. You have, so you have Miles. You do go old school I would two put two-back back and then you can option him out. You can get matchups and see whether— when's the, when's the last time you saw, like, I formation? 
Did you see last no, week? I'm asking Spe- you no, I'll say that. Speaking yeah. of last week, the the Ravens did that. Right. They ran it with three Heisman Trophy winners. Yeah. They had. Yeah, but they weren't. What they're they're not running the traditional I formation offense. They're they're running like Barry Switzer's Oklahoma and. But Nebraska's they had it where Ingram was basically option. the dive running back, and they right. faked the handoff, and then uh, Lamar Jackson ran around the edge and pitched it to RG three. It was pretty cool. In that sentence. You said some things I never thought I would ever hear in a football game. Pitched it. Well, no, RG3, who's, everybody should be shocked that he's still around, right? But on top of that, after watching Lamar Jackson last year, did you think there was any chance that Lamar Jackson was going to turn into a good quarterback, let alone probably the favorite or close to the favorite for the MVP? I thought he was going to be a good quarterback. I didn't think he was going to be this good. He is turned but into But everybody a who really said the NFL is going to figure him out, I yeah. uh, thought they were underestimating his ability. Robert, on the other side of the glass, is making us sound smarter. The Niners run an eye formation 50% of their plays almost. Ooh. So some, good one. Some teams do run that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the no, problem is nobody watches the 49ers because they're on the a, West Coast except Robert. It's a big question. <laughs> though because you know Jernigan potentially coming back on the defense right can can he play wide receiver too that's you know who do you target uh, I don't know uh, again, it's good and it you know this is the worst week for it because what is Belichick best at taking away your strength to so me, if you say go for the run what do you do well so what I would do is I would go out of the 12 formation and have two tight ends mm-hmm. and I would run everything off of the two tight ends and have two tight ends two running backs and a wide out and mm-hmm. kind of motion everybody around to figure out matchups. This way they can't figure out which your weapon is. That's what I would probably do. I mean, they're smarter than me. Let's hope that their self-study that they've supposedly done the last two weeks shows some of the tendencies that haven't worked because they still start off slow. Um, they've had too many penalties. By the way, aren't the Patriots coming off a bye? They are, and yeah, they, they had a loss before the bye, which is not what you want. <sighs> It's 4.30 Belichick game. has now had two weeks to figure out an offense that is half of itself. It's not the ideal situation that you want. Now, in fairness, although New England has a great record, they haven't really played a ton of very good teams yet. Um, they just haven't done that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's not necessarily a sure thing to happen. Right. Why don't we hit the break? And, and when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about your plans to sleep out and who's going to be your bunkmate. Sounds good. There's no us. bunks, but... Sports lets people live their dreams, overcome obstacles, and achieve goals. But what's your unimaginable? Do you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself? To push your limits? The A Fatty clothing brand believes we're all capable of going far beyond we previously imagined. To overcome your obstacles and achieve your goals. Life gives you the chance to push harder, to dream bigger, and to do whatever it takes to conquer the unimaginable. And to do it with A Fatty on you, the original street leisure clothing brand. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. This is Dan Baker. Public address voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. And you're listening to the Heart of Sports with Jeff Cohen and Jason Springer. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. 
Jeff, I am checking the weather forecast for you for next week. Uh, next Thursday night, uh, it's going to go down into the 40s. There's a, a chance of rain. It looks like it's going to be better weather than you had last year when you slept out. Well, that was a nor'easter. So, so um, I think the best thing to do is to bring on our guest so we can break the news to him on the weather forecast. Larry Boa, are you on the line with us? Yes, I am. Are, are you going <laughs> to keep Jeff warm next Thursday night? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I didn't know that last year that's when the nor'easter hit. But uh, So, obviously, uh, we're getting better weather than, than last year. I but, will... Uh, we're already expecting cold weather, so it's for a good cause, and hopefully the rain can stay away and just be cold. So for, so for people who, who don't know what we're talking about, uh, last year I did the, the Covenant House sleep out, and this year uh, there are some more important people than I doing it, and Larry's do, Larry Boa's doing it, and Charlie Emanuel's doing it. Uh, Larry, I believe your spouses are doing it too? Yeah, they, right now they are. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the thermometer drops too low, it don't, doesn't matter if they're doing it or not. Don't Charlie have and I listen, are definitely doing it. Don't have them listen to Jeff's so stories then. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll bring photos so you can see because people were taking photos of me. Um, so, uh, okay, that, that, that sounds good. Are you going to be there this time? Oh, I'm on Team Phillies with you. Oh, yeah, he'll be back. Oh, great. yeah. He's so, so la, la, Larry, how did you get involved in this? Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, during the uh, after spring training, uh, we broke camp, and then Charlie and I, before Charlie got hired as the uh, as the interim uh, hitting instructor, you know, he was talking to me about the Covenant House, and uh, his wife uh, Missy and and Patty got together, and once a month they brought kids in, and uh, we brought them on the field to watch batting practice. We fed them up there. They got to watch the game. So I got involved like that at first, and then. Uh, as the season progressed, you know, Charlie says, you know, we have a uh, thing that we do. It's a sleep out. And I said, really? And uh, he said, you know, I, if we're going to get involved with this, I, he says, I'd really like you to do it. And I said, hey, I'm all in. So I, I Did mean, he tell I, you I what, ta- what time history. of year it was? <laughs> yeah, he told me what time of year it was. I was, I was almost going to say, Charlie, you think it might have been a good idea to have it during the summer? But it doesn't matter. It, it's it's the, the cause that we're doing it. And, uh, you know, I got a chance to meet some of these kids when they came to the stadium at Citizens Bank and uh, we talked a little bit and, you know, these, a lot of these kids have been dealt tough hands and uh, the Covenant House uh, reaches out to these children. What we're basically trying to do is make people aware there's over 4 million people that basically are homeless. And if we can make some people aware, whether it's clothes, whether it's money, it doesn't really matter what it is. But the whole idea is to make people aware of what's going on out there. We get caught up in our own little world sometimes playing professional baseball, being uh, in baseball my entire life, that sometimes you don't get a chance to go outside that, that little uh, security blanket. And to see the, these kids, you know, I, uh, I was touched by it, and I'm glad Charlie asked me to come on board. And I guess it started when Raul Ibanez was here as a player, and then once he left, Charlie took it over. And now he's asked me to join the team. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. And, uh, again, if we can have one or two or three kids out of all this thing, that, that's the bottom line. But uh, I, I think the bottom line it also is to let people aware of what's going on out there. But it's not, it's not just to make people aware. It's also to raise money for the Covenant House. And so one of the things that we yeah. have to do is we have to raise money. And, and people get very competitive about this. And this is the kind of competitive that's good. And – 
Last time I checked, you were a competitive guy. So are, is, is, <laughs> is there something going on between you and Charlie as, as to who's going to be able to raise the most money? <laughs> you know what? I, I have a thing tonight with Charlie. Uh, we're doing some get-together. It's a cocktail hour. And we were going to make a little wager there, uh, a friendly wager, whether it be dinner or whatever. Whether And it might probably take place in spring training. But, yeah, we'll probably be competitive about this. I think that's important. And, you know, the other thing is people don't know Charlie as well as I got to know him. Sometimes he gives you that laid-back attitude. He's very competitive, believe me. <laughs> very competitive. Can, can you talk some about your relationship with Charlie? We were lucky enough to sit down for our minor league show earlier this season when he was out in Reading. Uh, but you guys have sort of developed a special relationship through the years. Can you, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we have. You know, if you take a look back at that, when I managed here, it was 2001, 2003, and four. And then Charlie took over for me. And, you know, when he first came in, uh, when I took over for Terry Francona, it was really a bad team. And then we got to respectability. We played over 500 four years I was here. And then the Phillies felt they had to make a change. And then, you know, Charlie took over. And then, as we all know, the rest is history. They had that uh, World Series in 2008. So the, the, the friendship sort of evolved around two old school guys that really are baseball lifers. And in the last three years, uh, we've been in spring training and we, we go the entire eight weeks, seven weeks, whatever it is. And we get there real early and we talk baseball. And that friendship has sort of grown, not only just on the baseball field, but just acknowledging the fact that we, we've really started at the bottom of the ring. Coming up. I mean, I wasn't a big-time prospect. Charlie said he wasn't a big-time prospect. He ended up going to Japan. I ended up playing 16 years here. And we both had pretty successful careers, but we sort of put everything together. And we talk baseball all the time. Baseball's our lives. And it's this sort of this is how the friendship sort of evolved. You normally, when a guy takes your place as a manager, you go, oh, man, that guy's kind of taken my place. Or that, that never entered my mind day i knew charlie was a good baseball guy just from afar because I, I realized he went over to japan and played had tremendous success over there uh had success with the cleveland indians as a hitting instructor there so it wasn't like I, some guy was taking over for me that never even uh was successful in baseball so that's how this basically how this friendship has evolved over the years well now now a new manager has taken over and as a guy in the front office yeah which i think how excited are good you for Joe, Joe Girardi? I, I'm very excited. I think this was a very good hire for us. I also like the pitching coach that we hired. Uh, we have the nucleus of a very good baseball team. You know, last year we played 500, which I thought was we underachieved. I do think that we need pitching, and uh, and I think that Matt has indicated that just coming back from the general managers' meetings in in Arizona. So. We know what our needs are. We got to go out there and get them. And I think we were ready for that last year. What we weren't ready for were all the injuries. And as you guys well know, covering baseball or being around baseball, you never have enough pitching. And I think they want to get that inventory to the point where if somebody goes down here, we're going to have some people at AAA that can step right in. We didn't have that inventory last year at all. As a front office guy now, do you, do you miss being out on the field, putting on the uniform? You know what? I, I did at first. Now, uh, not really because I'm involved in spring training. I go to all the home games. I get to go on two or three road trips a year. I go to all our minor league uh, facilities, and I suit up for there. So I'm, I really am in uniform. I just not 
at one spot the whole year. So it's it's a different job, but I like it. I get to go watch some college kids play, uh, especially if we're drafting an infielder, to give my opinion on that. So, I mean, I'm involved in a lot more avenues than just maybe you're staying in the dugout. Well, well, I did with the Phillies. I did hear recently that you are going to suit up to watch a bunch of old guys play baseball too. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm going down to uh, the the, uh, the camp down there in uh, January, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I, I, you know, I used to do that every year. I did it for like 14 or 15 years. Then I got away from it. And then some of my old buddies said, "You got to come down there. We have a good time." In fact, Charlie was one of the guys that said it. So I'm going to go down there. <laughs> he keeps roping you. In, in he keeps roping you into things, huh? <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He's keeping me active. So you're, you're uh... so, but I, I do want to say one thing though, because we are competitive. And all the donations now, just go to my Twitter account at Larry Boa Ten, and then check out the most recent post, and then then that'll show you the link where we can uh, raise some money for, for this for great, the co- for the Covenant charity. House. Yes, for the Covenant for the Covenant House. house. Yes, no it, question. I, yep. I did want to ask you. You're you're an old school baseball guy. Jeff and I always talk about the unwritten rules of baseball. Um, at the general manager's meeting this week, I'm sure you, you heard uh, the talk there about the Houston Astros and the sign stealing. Any thoughts on, right. on that situation in terms of, uh, one, sign stealing I, in I general a, and, two, the technology, the way they did it? Anything? I do have uh, an opinion on how they did it, which I think was totally wrong. But I do think that if you have a man on second base and a catcher's giving away signs, maybe he's doing something behind the plate, he's moving outside or showing his showing location too early, that if you're paying attention to the game, you pick that up. But that's all part of strategy. The stuff that the, the Houston Astros have done is not part of strategy. That's basically cheating. And uh, I definitely am, am not an advocate of that. But I am an advocate. If you get second base and a catcher wants to put down one or two signs that you happen to see what the sign differential is each time, whether it's first sign after two second sign, third sign, and you can relay that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. they got to be more aware that that is going on. But the way the Houston Astros did it, uh, I'm, I'm really against that. Well, Larry, before we let you go, since I'm raising money, I'm a little less competitive than you guys. I don't care who raises the money in our team as long as the money comes in. <laughs> but, I, but, I will tell, I, I, but I will tell you, when they go to your page to, to raise money, to donate, right. there's now a match for the weekend. Look at so, that! So really, yes. So Larry, t- tonight <laughs> don't don't tell Charlie tonight, <laughs> and and then you can catch I, up. <laughs> okay, I will. I, I'll definitely do that, Larry. We, I appreciate this, though, guys. Uh, we are looking forward to seeing you on uh, Thursday night. We Bring your keep thermals. the rain away. Yeah, you guys keep, keep each other warm there, and uh, we really appreciate what you're doing, <laughs> though. It's 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 for a great cause and raising awareness and. Uh, Thanks so much for giving a few minutes to talk about it. All right, guys. You, you have, have a great one. one. Jeff, you're just going to sit and ask him baseball stories all night, aren't you? <laughs> no. I, I, I think – don't you think it's amazing? I mean, Larry is a guy who grew up in California. And, you know, it, it is amazing to me that Philadelphia that, you know, prides on its own. If you look at the baseball players over the last few generations, they're not local guys. They're gu- but they're guys that have been adopted and and remain part of this city. I mean, between Larry and and people like Chase Utley, another California guy, these are guys that came here and and worked hard. As Larry said, he wasn't the highest draft pick, and you know became arguably the greatest shortstop the organization ever had between him and Jimmy Rollins. And and now they stay here. 
and they're continuing to raise money for youth homelessness in our community. Yeah, it it's everything we talk about in terms of using the platform that you have to impact the community where you work. And um, they got a lot out of this community, but at the same time, they gave a lot to the community and they continue to give back. And uh, now I'll say it again, good on you for sleeping out again. You may be a zombie next week on the show when I we will. come on the air. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing and we'll keep publicizing it. Jeff, how can people uh, donate to you? Are you going to put it out on your Twitter account? Or yeah, on the I'll put, well, I'll put it, it's, it's on our web. Website, it's on our website. The hardest sports. It'll be on our Twitter account. It'll be on our Facebook page. But you can go to the Covenant House Philadelphia, and there is a list of the teams, and you can donate to me, to Larry Boa, to Charlie Manuel, or anybody that you want. We don't care. Is is look. I, I'd love to win, but Jeff cares. Uh, yeah, so, don't let him. Don't let him but, fool you. Like he doesn't actually care. Well, there's the the, the prize is just the pride of knowing that you're helping. This. Yes, I mean, really is. And 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 as I've talked about on the show, and if I'm awake enough to be on the show next week, as oh, opposed to you're going to be on the show. You well, may not be awake, but no, you're gonna be here. I may need to take a load management day. All right, yeah. let's get to it. Um, oh, we're going to talk basketball? Well, now we are. All since right, you, fine. That was a pretty good segue. There so we go. you may need a rest day okay. next week, just like the stars in the NBA. It's starting to bother you, this load management you thing, know, isn't I, it? You know, I love basketball. Just, but you don't love load management. I, I, I cannot stand this. I, I will watch NBA games anytime they're on. I don't care what team is on. And I've gotten to the point that already this season, and you know, the third week now, of just saying enough. I mean, if I'm going to stay up for a Clippers game, I want to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Now, I understand Paul George was hurt from, you know, before the season, but Kawhi Leonard has now been load managing three games that they should have won that they have lost. I just enjoy and, how you prefaced it with, if I'm going to stay up. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> it's important at my age. What can I tell you? But... We now have, it's just gotten to the point now that watching basketball, you're not watching the best team. You're watching parts of every team. And and as bad as that is, is a pro, it, they're killing the product, okay? I understand what they're doing, and I understand that owners and general managers or coaches are in a position that they have to agree to this because they're not going to be able to get players to come there if they're like Michael Jordan who says, I think you should play 82 games. I played 82 games, and that's what you're, we're paying you is for 82 games. But the, the second part of this equation is the ticket prices. It's not just, and it, this does matter to me, it's not just that people go to games. A lot of people cannot. The ticket prices are insane. And if you go to a game, usually you're going to see somebody. You're going to see your own team and the people you like. And oftentimes you're going to see some star player on another team. Like I've told you, I my son, Giannis. for years, we go to the Bucks games because he loves Giannis. He hasn't not had a double-double in a game yet this year. Okay, but but that's not the problem. Sorry, I'm taking away from your important yeah, point. The, the problem is, is that they have weighted the cost of these tickets now so that each ticket costs a different amount based on the, the value of the team. So Golden State costs a fortune. New York Knicks they could pay you to go to the games. So when when a play when you're buying that ticket for you to go to a game and then if Steph Curry was healthy and Klay Thompson was healthy and they came here and they said, "You know what? We're taking a load management day. We need a rest." 
I can't argue with you. What do you do about that? And I think what you need to do is, and I don't know how you do it. I just don't think it's enforceable, but it's an idea that I've heard is I didn't come up with it. I'm not smart enough to, but I beat you to the all punch, the, by the way. All the prefacing totally you're you doing, point. you right. are going to make an important point, I know. but you are prefacing it with so many caveats right yeah. now. Yeah, well, because you were going to take a shot, I so would, I figured I would, I'd take it away from you. I never take a I'll, shot at I'll you. talk this week, and you can talk during my load management <laughs> week. <laughs> it is that, that maybe what you do is you say to a team, look, you need to pick the games that you're going to essentially plan low, load management for, and then the teams will know, and then what they should do is they should discount tickets. And they should discount the price of, of, of the concessions and maybe give free parking. And that'll get more people into the game. It'll help them and it'll help the league a little bit. I mean, I, I'm still going to be fed up. But for for a lot of people, maybe that's a way to grow the game and, and find a happy do, medium. Do you think the league realizes there are as many fans as you saying that? Like, do they realize? I, I the, think they are. I mean, they tried I, to adjust it last year, getting rid of back-to-backs. But it seems like teams are just... Look, if the if, front office knows it. if you're Toronto's owner, do you care that you rested Kawhi back to back last year's because you have a title? If you're the Clippers well, owner, why would you play him now? You want him to be healthy when well, it counts. No, but, you want see, a title. but that's the problem is that the, the, the owner's interest now, they make so much money in the league that the interest now for a, an owner that you want is to win a championship. But the product is being diluted so much in the quest for a couple teams to win a championship. What does it mean for – I understand if you're the Clippers, Clippers have never won anything, here's their chance to win a championship. Steve Palmer's going to do everything. And if it meant – if Steve Palmer could find a way that the Clippers don't have to play Paul George – and and Kawhi Leonard all season. Look, the fines to him are he like do pennies it. on the dollar. Right, he doesn't care. Worth. He makes more in interest than in a day than you're going to find him in a day. Yes. It doesn't matter. He was one of the owners of Microsoft, okay? Yes. He's fine. I But they have to... Adam Silver has got to worry about the entire league because what do you do for two-thirds of the teams that aren't going to do that but suffer the consequences on it? If you're Sacramento... Okay, I don't know how good or bad Sacramento is. I think they're average. But if 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 Joel Embiid's coming, the Sixers are coming, and the Sixers say, you know what, we're going to let Joel. He doesn't even have to go on the trip. He's going to stay home. He's going to rest. It's his loan management, and they're going to have him not play. If you're Sacramento, that's hurting your ticket sales. That's hurting your product. It's not the same as the Clippers. The Clippers are a, a somewhat unique situation, and you need to find something to do to stop this. So you- and you're, they did it. You're they, basically talking about the integrity of the game. I think so. And and I want to I want to mix that in with the story that I mentioned to Larry Bow about the sign stealing, um, because I think that leads to the same type of issue, uh, questioning the integrity of the game. What was your reaction for our listeners who weren't aware? Story came out that going back to at least 2017, the Houston Astros have been supposedly stealing signs, allegedly, potentially, with every. And doing it in a very technologically advanced, did you, did you advancing, watch it? P- followed by bang, uh, uh, banging drums. Yeah, it's, so it's they, a very bizarre they would get system. video and then signal it and then bang a drum. I think the Yankees said that they were whistling during the series this year. Well, here's what I'd like to know, because I, I do have a solution to this one, which to me seems practical, and I'll leave it to you to shoot it down, okay? I'm good so, at that. So the Apple Watch thing, I get it. That was bad. They shouldn't have done it. Okay. This one, having cameras out there and then sending signals back and then finding a way to get them into the hitter rather rapidly, I think is wrong. 
But why can't you do take the technology from football with the, the microphone over by the coach and then the, the quarterback having a headset in his Oh, so his you helmet. want to use technology so there aren't signs anymore? Yes, but think about this. You then say Wait, you're that, old school baseball guy. On. Don't they need to like rub themselves? No, no. And signal and I, sign for each I, other. I need to talk to you off there about what you're saying. But uh, <laughs> you have a situation where you could have a catcher with a microphone in his helmet, right? And then you could have a little earpiece in in the pitcher's ear that gets turned in off on and off, and, and when he sets. That's it. So he can't, someone can't say from the dugout, by the way, he's You should going. have given me this before I talked to Bud Selig. I ought to pass it on for you. Uh, I only just thought about it. I think it. it's a good idea. It is. I, I actually, think it is I'm a good not idea. shooting it down. And, by the way, forget about just the sign stealing. Think about how much it'll speed up the game that you don't have to go through all of that stuff. I'm not opposed to it, but I'd uh, like to. Here's the but. I'd like to talk about the larger issue that baseball has with this now. What? Three managers in baseball are tied yes. into this. Uh-huh. Carlos Beltran was on that team. Yep. Joey, Joey Cora. Cora was the bench coach on that team. Right. And A.J. Hinch, who it looks like is about to lose his job over there. So this is a problem for baseball. How, how do you think they're going to come down on these teams? I mean, this I is a... I think A.J. Hinch is going to be the fall guy. And maybe Joey Cora gets some. I, I, don't, I, I don't think that the... First of all, the players' union is not going to let them take any action against the players. Right? And how about Beltran? He's a new manager. He was not a manager at the time. He was a player. He was a player the on the team. So I don't think you can do anything to him. But Joey Cora was the bench coach. Bench coach probably was involved in this, right? You would think. Like who was who was actually banging on the bucket? Somebody in the dugout. They it said was a player. They said so. If you watch the video, it's it's amazing. By the way, by the way, I, I I'm guessing that Mike Fires cannot go back to Houston at all. Right. Yeah, like, like, like whether he's it's right or wrong, and, and whether it's right or, whether it's right or wrong, mm. if he's on another team, right? How are you feeling about that right now? Like, if he's your teammate on another team, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that is and the way that people here's react. Here's another interesting twist to this because who else is on that team? Justin Verlander, who has been extremely vocal in his career about cheating. Hasn't he? He's talked about constantly about anybody who gets caught with PED should be kicked out for life. That's an interesting point. Let's see what Justin Verlander says right now. Who won his latest Cy yes. Young? Uh-huh. Um, I'll take him on the team, but I'm just curious as to whether whether somebody needs to ask him the question. He's not going to volunteer the information, but we've got four minutes left. The Sixers are seven and four. The Flyers are got to check their record ten five and three. How are you feeling about the locals right now? I'm feeling very good about the Flyers. Carter Hart is as it built, and he's I think he's ahead of schedule. And I think that I mean it is crazy that all of their games are going to overtime. You know, it's almost like I don't have to turn the game on until about nine thirty. They've gone past regulation six times in their last seven games. They they, they need a little more and it's score not like they're they playing. You know, the scrubs of the league, they beat Boston, Montreal, and Toronto. Like, they're playing good teams, and they're playing good hockey. The, and the question is whether when are people going to notice it? Because you have, the, you have the Sixers still, and you have the Eagles. So, I mean, if the Eagles fade away, maybe people start to do it. Now, we'll see about that. Now, the Sixers, on the other hand, I don't know what to make of this team because the load management and the fact that Simmons and Embiid really haven't played together. So they're 7-4, and four and they've barely played on the court together. Yep. Uh, 
due to Embiid's suspension, Sixers have uh, grand and total Simmons four injury. games together. Right. They've all been on the court together out yeah. of their first 11. And Tobias Harris is in a slump. Yeah, what is... I mean, he just... I, I mean, don't, he's getting other... He's putting up other... Yeah, but the points three, on the, statues, the three, but he can't hit a three. I mean, we, we've talked, we've talked a lot about him not playing power forward and needing to go to be that three-point shooter. If he's not going to be that three-point shooter, either you're going to have to hope that last week's guest is up on the team real soon in Mariel Shyock, or you have to go out and get a three-point shooter. Who is shooter. lighting it up in Wilmington yes, for the yes. Delaware Bluecoats? Well, Seven, I think I I credit that to us. Seventy-eight points in his first two games. They're back at it tonight on the road. Um, Neto and Trey Burke finally got a little playing time this week and did really well. I, which makes you want, uh, do you start to wonder now as this team is this close to championship level that whether Brett Brown's going to be holding them back? I don't know. I think he's trying things out right now. I still, that's I, what I the was, preseason's for. Look at Kyle. No, O'Quinn. according to Brett Kyle Brown, O'Quinn, it does great every time he gets in the game. According to Brett Brown, the season is in thirds, and this team will be ready by Christmas. That's what he said the other day. So, am I supposed to not turn it on until Christmas Day? Don't pay for your tickets until then. He did go Wait, off. Yeah, that's a good point. He did go off. Am I? I'm going to go ask for a refund through Christmas. Well, you better get right in, Mister Lawyer. They did. He did go <laughs> off this year. Uh, this, this week this on week? the turnovers. Yeah. Um. Of which there Through are eleven games, they're twenty sixth in the league Oof. in turnovers per game and 29th in turnover percentage. Yikes! Twenty second ranked offense. Last minute. Uh, how concerned are you about getting this fixed? I, I I just think they need a three point shooter. I'm not worried about the turnovers. That's the, that's at least of the problems in my mind. Okay, okay? this team's going to be sloppy and be exciting, and defense is going to be the defense. They have to develop some flow in the offense, and right now they're not developing a flow. And my concern is starting to be whether Brett Brown is going to be able to utilize people and and convince the players of their roles. That to me, baseball, uh, basketball, and and a lot of sports are about your roles. Basketball, I think, more than any other sport. And if you can't convince these guys to play certain roles. I don't know if this team's going to be able to to get to the next level. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.